0: Well, hey, everyone, and welcome to episode number 41 of The Other Six Podcast. My name is Chad Boak, and I'm your host. Joining me in the studio once again, my co-host, our worship pastor and composer of the Terminator-themed Italian opera entitled Pasta La Vista. Pasta
1: La Vista, baby. Ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) Mr.
0: Matt Collins. Matt, how are you today, sir? I'm doing good, man. Yeah.
1: Pasta La Vista. There you go, yeah. (laughs) And also
0: joining us in the studio once again, our lead pastor, Adam Bishop. Adam, how are you today, sir? I feel like that
2: we just sprinted past episode 40 last week. <laughs> I mean, 40 is right. kind of a big deal. That's like right. I remember when I turned 40, you know, you yeah. feel like you've accomplished something in life, right? Yeah. And then your body starts hurting more after yeah. you turn 40. If you haven't turned 40 yet, get ready for that. So, uh, sorry, Matt. hate to break the I, bad news well, to you. Well,
1: I mean, that happened at 30.
2: You haven't turned 40 yet either. Not quite. Oh, wow. I got I'm old I mean, the old guy in I room. mean,
1: like 30, I felt like that too. Yeah, but, you know, yeah. 40,
2: you know, you should, you should at worse. least say like, wow, we made it to 40. Right. You know, so we're doing doing that today on episode 41. Right. So, so see,
0: in opposite well, of... Wow, we made know, it to 41. Can you guys 41. believe that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like, unlike our bodies, I feel like we're hitting our stride. We're in our prime, <laughs> We're in man. our prime, fantastic. we go. Some of our listeners may totally disagree <laughs> with <right>. that <laughs> <laughs> assessment. Yeah. yeah, just leave it in the comments, and <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, we yeah. appreciate that. But yeah, no, no. I'm good. We don't need those yeah. comments. Yeah. So I'm glad yeah. to be here. Yeah, again, well, it's good to see you. Do you guys have a, have a good weekend? I mean, summer is like officially here. Like, things are in full swing. Yeah, yeah, it a little hot. warm outside. The heat hot. has arrived. It is yeah.
2: here. <laughs> the heat has arrived. We had a great weekend. We had a candidate in town that we're looking to add to our team. So yeah. the three of us kind of spent time with, with him and, and his wife and yeah. went to dinner and lunch and showed him around the, yeah. the, Real the area, showed him around Montgomery, Pike Road, yeah. the church, yeah. Yeah. all things, Vaughn Forest. So yeah, yeah. Uh, That kind of, you know, consumed the weekend um, from that perspective. But, yeah, other than that, also had some fun hanging out with the boys. I actually swam in the pool a little bit with the boys this weekend. We had a really killer game of horse in the pool. (laughs) So, you know, the goal, it's tricky because it floats, which means it moves. So, um, you know, we played horse, and um, I was down to like an S. Uh, so we knocked out Sam, we knocked out Henry, and then it was just me and Jacob. You and
0: Jacob for the so, umbrella, so they
2: were placing bets, and they all—well, not really. We don't encourage that type <laughs> of behavior in my home. But like, who would they thought would win? And they start talking trash that like I'm not gonna beat Jacob. Uh oh. I'm like, step back, boys, and let Dad show you how it's done. Right, right. <laughs> I whipped
0: him. So uh, I whipped him, no mercy. So uh, you well, know. so do you, do you kind of sense that there's a day coming where you won't be able to quite uh, beat him in a sport? Or do you think, oh no, 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 Dad, well, d- gonna... that
2: day's a long time from okay. now. So, no, absolutely <laughs> okay. not. No, not we got You got to regulate some things like, and make sure we keep everybody in their place, Chad. Yeah, so yeah. no, we, we had some. It's it gets competitive, man. They yeah. got the competitive thing from me. So, you know, yeah. we're, we're coming off steps. We're coming off the side of the pool. You know, you have to do certain moves. Right. You know, the judges watch. Oh, the ball didn't go the right way. So, you know, right. it's very intense. And Morgan yeah. just marvels <laughs> at this creature That's called men. Awesome. Yeah, <laughs> that right. we right. things. So, no, it was great. We had a good time and yeah. we enjoyed having uh, the candidate in town. And yeah. so hopefully we'll have some news to share about that yeah. in the coming yeah. yeah. weeks. Guy.
0: So, yeah, yeah. good yeah. weekend. Yeah. Uh, so this past weekend, uh, one of Christie's co-workers got married down to Andalusia, if you don't okay. know where that is, about two hours away. I don't. Yeah. And the wedding was at 6:30 on a Saturday evening. And I'm just like, you know, like Christy, you know, I can't, you know, I can Sunday, I got stuff to do. And she's like, well, I'll take Ava with me down there. And of course. Ava is all princesses and rainbows. She is, she is pure, you know, girl, you know? And so she's like, yes, mom, let's go to this wedding. It'll be wonderful. It's magical. This, this fairy tale, yeah. And so Lena stayed at home with me, and we ate, like, pizza and wings and watched uh, TV, and it was, uh, good so week. yeah, so we got to spend some was good time. Was that
2: Ava's first wedding ever going to?
0: Uh, Yes, I believe it right. might have been. Uh, yeah. I've
2: never taken my children to a wedding. Okay, I'm quite sure they would <laughs> right. disrupt the entire occasion. <laughs> right. The first wedding I ever went to, I was probably in the second or third grade. It okay. was at our church that I grew up in and we went to the wedding and right before the wedding was about to start the minister who happened to be the father uh, of the bride okay. came out and said I'm really sorry there's not going to be a wedding today they've decided not to get married what? oh yeah and then he said, but we've got all this food in the fellowship hall. You guys want to still come eat it? So, like, I was like, let's eat. Yeah. So, for years, like, I didn't know if that, is that like a 50-50 thing when you go right. to a wedding? Because right, right, it right. happened the first time I went. Right. Now, it's never happened since. Wow. But I got to tell you, it was really awkward in the fellowship hall. <laughs> <laughs> right. You can only eat so many crackers before it's like, who's going to break the ice? Uh, <laughs> right. Oh, my yeah. goodness. That I can't even awful. imagine that. Yeah. 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 yeah.
0: So, that, sorry, that story just popped no, into just, my head. So, le- uh, leveraging new a church I so, fellowship I'm I'm assuming that yeah. this
2: wedding went well. This wedding went well. So, yeah, Ava absolutely. got to see.
0: She got to see a, a great wedding. A great they wedding. had a great time. Fantastic. and, got and to Y'all got to eat again. wings. Yeah, we ate wings, and uh, Lena and I have been watching Lost. So, you got uh, the much better end. Nice. Yeah. Oh, bro. I'm good with it. So, it so where was, are y'all at in Lost? So, we just got to the numbers episode. Okay. So, Lena is, you know, she, 4, 8, 15, 16, oh, yeah. 23, 14. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, she's like, what do they mean? And I'm like, baby, just don't ask questions. Just watch. What a fantastic show. You know, it's
2: been a long time. Right. So, you told me you guys were watching that, and I started Thinking that's been years ago, mm-hmm. yes,
0: gosh, yeah, So yeah.
2: I loved that show, mm-hmm. and so I might, maybe, right. maybe may, like when I have time, I don't have time to go back and rewatch, it, awesome. <laughs> but I'll re- I'll vicariously listen right. to you yeah, and Leah yeah. telling me about what happened in the latest ep- episode. Yeah. You watched. So she's just like, So just tell me, do the questions get answered? I'm like, yeah. eh, about yeah. There's a of lot that, more questions to come, yeah, yeah that's, right. that's yeah, right, yeah,
1: yeah. I think the ending gives you way more questions, yeah, it's like, right. Wait, what? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> well, at some point, you've
2: used up all your ideas, yeah, I
0: think that they yeah. were just making so creative. Well, and also, it was a little bit of a Victim, if you remember the writer strike that happened uh, back during that time, they were there was really? a writer oh, yeah. strike, and then
2: they also were in contract negotiations. Was it ABC? Yes, I believe yeah. that's yeah. right. Yeah, so they, I've heard them in an interview talk about this before. They had one whole season where they were just jacking with ABC. Right, they were just yeah. making <laughs> stuff up. I'm like, yeah. I remember that season. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. confused the yeah. whole time. Yeah. So wait,
1: what? They are like, <laughs> yeah,
2: we were in contract negotiations. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, interesting. Well, so wait what'd wait. you do all weekend? Yeah. Uh, I hung
0: out, well, hung the out with the other Yeah. and then uh
2: that's
1: pretty.
0: Pretty much it. We, yeah. yeah.
1: Ate a lot and drank a lot of coffee. So. There you go. Oh, good. Yeah, good weekend. Good yeah. Good weekend.
0: Well, speaking of the weekend, we continued our message series implications this past weekend, and we were in what week seven, I believe. Yeah. Yep. Week absolutely. Seven. And uh, yeah, I Dang. mean, it's it's kind of flown by, and we've flown still by. got still got you know a little bit ahead yeah, of us, which I'm weeks. really enjoying. Yeah. Uh, but you know, we'll go ahead and kind of get started today. I loved the title of your message this past <laughs> week, which was "Don't <laughs> tell me what to do." Uh, so when you sent me your notes, you know, to get ready for the screen, I was laughing really hard. So uh, why did did you choose that as the title for your message this week?
2: Well, I said it in the message. You know, we're letting the text kind of dictate the title for us. The key theme in this text that we studied this past Sunday... Was don't let them tell you what to do, right. and he's he's talking to you know these new believers in Colossae, and he's, the them are the spiritual leader that they think are spiritual leaders are actually false teachers, right? And so you know don't let them tell you what to do didn't sound nearly as good as right. don't tell me what to <laughs> right, do. Right, so right. I figured, <laughs> yeah. Let's just make that the title yeah. because if you apply it. Now, I mean, we have to understand what's he talking about in the passage, but when we start to apply it, that's the application for us. Gotcha. You know, don't let other people tell you what to do mm. when it comes to certain things that they've tried to tie to your faith. Right. And I tend to gravitate towards that line of thinking anyway, right, so right, it was right. a really easy sermon title for me to come up with <laughs> yeah. because— you know, I, I think that there's far too much of that in Christianity. So yeah. I thought it was a good passage for us to really unpack.
0: Yeah, yeah. I heard a few amens when you uh, named <laughs> said the, the, the title, title of the sermon. That's right. <laughs> that was me. half the crowd
2: loved it. Half the crowd cringed. Right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. That's right.
1: <laughs> uh, well, let's unpack this. Uh, the the thing that Paul writes about, talking about all the rules about food and drink and festivals, that they're mere shadows. Like,
2: what did he mean by that? Yeah, so if you talk about the I mean, I mentioned the festivals in reference to pagan, you know, practices yeah, yeah. from the Roman culture, but we could apply that same line of thinking to some of the festivals that were observed and celebrated <clears throat> in the Old Testament. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, we know this from you know, Pentecost to uh, all the other festivals that, you know, Jesus participated in as a a good Hebrew to the Passover. You know, I said Pentecost, I meant to say Passover. (laughs) We'll we'll, we'll edit that out, right? So um, the the Passover, all these different festivals, okay? So when Paul says like a shadow and he's talking about food regulations and drink regulations Mm -hmm. and festivals, it's a reminder all of the Old Testament law was never given to us so that we would obey it. It was given to us to point out how sinful we are. Right. So if God doesn't define for us what sin is, we're so decrepit. (laughs) We're not (laughs) going to figure it out. We're just going to think we're doing the right thing. So the law is given to us in God's grace to point out our need for a Savior. So it's a shadow. This isn't the real thing. Right. This is pointing us to the person who will fulfill the law. That mm-hmm. person is Jesus Christ. So, you're make, when you make the law the point, you've missed the point. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, Paul's language there to communicate that point is shadow. It's gotcha. not the real thing. It's a shadow. The real thing is Jesus.
0: Yeah. Gotcha. Is, isn't it interesting? You know what you just said there. You know the arrogance of man. God gives these rules. And they thought they could do it. Mm-hmm. They thought that they could follow it. And and even to the point of <laughs> they made, the more rules. made more rules. <laughs> yeah, they made more that. rules to do it. But I think that's such a good point that, like, the, the point of all that was to show that there was no way we were ever going to be able to live up to that, but that God, right. you know, sent us a Savior in the form of Jesus. Yeah, and obedience
2: to the laws was a big deal. Yeah. So, you know, yes, God called them to obedience. But unless you see how many times you fail you're not going to be able to realize your need for a Savior. Right. you know. So as you're living that out in real time, maybe some people got that message sooner than others. Right. Mm-hmm. We have the entire Bible, and it's easier for us to draw that conclusion. Sure. And if we had been living at that time, you know, we would have probably been doing our best to keep those laws too.
0: Right, and we would have needed Paul to point it out to us. <laughs> right. So right. Right. here we are. So you know, one of the things you talked about, for so long, I feel like the world has looked at the church as this great, killjoy, you know, all of these rules, don't do this, don't do that. You know, we hear it all the time, and that's kind of the perception I feel uh, in our culture today, and really for the last hundreds of years, that the church is the ones making the rules and telling you what to do and what not to do. But what we talked about yesterday is that Paul's telling the church in Colossae, you know, don't tell, don't let those folks tell you what to do. So help me reconcile the fact that there are things we should not do. There are things that are sin, but we shouldn't let folks tell us what to do. Help, Help me figure that out.
2: Well, for far too long, Christianity has not been characterized as people who are saved by grace. Hmm. So it's a lack of understanding of grace. Like that's the foundational challenge that then permeates itself out into everything else. So if we recognize we've been saved by grace and now we've been called to actually live that way, what does grace do? Grace actually raises the bar. Grace is a much higher standard than the law. Yeah. And this is what Jesus kept trying to help the Pharisees understand. Like Jesus would say, you've heard it said, you know, an eye for an eye. Mm -hmm. But I say, you got to love your neighbor. Okay. Well, if Christians were known as people who really love their neighbors, Jesus takes it further in another part where he's like, hey, don't just tolerate your enemies. Don't just accept your enemies. Pray for your enemies. Right. Well, that's a hard one to follow. Jesus says, you've heard it said, you know, if you commit adultery, I'm telling you if you've lusted in your heart. So what Jesus is doing when he's teaching is he's taken what we were given in the Old Testament, and he is now communicating a new way. Hmm. He's going to follow through with that, with his death and burial and resurrection. But we now live under this new way, the new covenant, as people have been saved by grace and marked by grace. Therefore, if we're supposed to live the way Jesus told us to live, shouldn't that then be our reputation? Right. We're the people who love our enemies. We pray for our enemies. Mm -hmm. We care more about what's going on inside our hearts than the external that we let everybody else see. Well, we know that's not the testimony of Christians. We know that's not the testimony of churches. And that's the unfortunate part because that false testimony is what's given a lot of people the wrong impression about Jesus, Mm -hmm. the wrong impression about God. And so you say a cosmic killjoy or what Christians are known for, what churches are known for. We've earned that reputation. But it's one that we have to work really hard now to undo with the people that we interact with. You can't change everything about the past. You can't change everything about mistakes that, you know, that have led us here, right. but you can be that person in someone else's life. Mm. You know, the person that they may look to and go, you know, I don't believe like you. I don't understand everything. I don't understand why you think the way you do, but I can't deny how much you love me. Right. I can't mm. deny the way you accept me. I can't deny the way you care for me. And, and if we are people who are known by that, that's the best shot we have of maybe undoing some of that reputation that yeah. you speak of.
0: Yeah. So why, why do you think for so long, you know, uh, some of these leaders, you know, that there was this perception that people acted that way? Do you think it was a control thing? Or like, what What do you think about that? Why did it? Why did that come about that way? Was it a legalism thing? Was it a follow the rules thing? What are your thoughts on yeah, that? Yeah,
2: there's a lot of things to unpack there. Sure. So, you know, maybe we could do a whole podcast okay. just on that <laughs> question, sure. but I'll take a shot at it. I think part of what you said has always been the case. I mean, this is what we see Paul say in the passage. He says, I understand the appeal of this. Sure. So that appeal has been there from the first century. Gotcha. So th- this is not a new phenomenon, all right? So this is something that Christians for thousands of years have struggled with. We We tend to— Lean back into our religiosity. Lean back into our works. Saved by grace. Thank you, Jesus. I'll take it from here. Right. So now yeah. it's okay. about my works and yeah. how we do it. Yeah. So I think that's part of it. I think the other part of it, maybe a little bit more recent, which is hard to believe, it's 2022. Hmm. So I read something the other day that said there's the same amount of years from 2022 to 1970 as from 1970 to 1918. Oh. And that didn't sound right, but it's actually true. Oh, Okay, <laughs> so, you know, sometimes we say 50 years ago, well, maybe we need to say like 75 years yeah, ago, and 80 yeah, yeah. years ago. So if it's 2022, this may be in the last 60 to 70 years, okay? Up until that point, I'm oversimplifying things, give me some grace here, sure. you could make the argument that a lot of American culture was aligned with a Judeo-Christian ethic. Sure, mm the Scopes Monkey Trial, if you want to go back and study that, yeah. it's the first time that evolution was allowed to be taught in schools. That's actually a lot of historians mark as the line of demarcation where this Judeo-Christian ethic began to separate from culture at large. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So now you've got this separation happening, and then there's the sexual revolution of the 60s, and there's you know, all the things that begin to happen. I think one of the, you know, counter punches in the church, so to speak, was to double down on more rules. Yeah. yeah. We got to yeah, yeah. keep this thing from getting out of control, okay. you know? So I do think that's where the control thing came in. Sure. Hmm. And the unfortunate part of that was a whole generation of people that were growing up in that who are now in their 50s and 60s didn't want to have anything to do with the church because that was kind of the norm of the church. Right. Yeah. Now, what's interesting about that is it's in that environment that the Jesus People movement started out in California. Yeah. yeah. So you can now look, Greg Laurie, Larry Osborne, there's all these great spiritual leaders that are in their 50s or 60s that came to faith in Jesus Christ in California, the Calvary Chapel movement that started. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't all bad. There was actually some really good things yeah. that came out of that season that were the exact opposite. So, you yeah. know, the great thing about the Jesus people movement is you know, they're all had long hair, like right. nobody's <laughs> wearing a tie. Right. But they're, you know, crazy in love with Jesus, yeah. you know. So they, they've shed all of the religiosity off mm-hmm. of that and reclaimed the simplicity of faith. Mm-hmm. So even as you study, like, what kind of got us to here, it's not like it was all bad. There was yeah. also a lot of good that was yeah. happening along yeah. the way. But I think that control thing is very appealing. It's appealing to us in our own lives to think we have a sense of control, right? And it's certainly a temptation for people to then who are in leadership positions try to control others. Yeah. yeah. And if they can try to control others, then somehow in a you know warped way that helps them keep their leadership. Well, yeah, and, you know, okay. we,
0: and we knock the Pharisees for all the rules they have, but then you look at the church, you know, pre-Reformation, you know, all of that. I mean. It, it was a control thing, and they were trying yeah. to do everything they can to keep these people in line with all of these rules. Yeah,
1: yeah. It was like rules to help them not break the rules. Right. Yeah. Well, and just to tell them what to do because <laughs> yeah. they, they yeah. were in charge. Well, know? and they thought they were doing a good job. Like, sure. hey, you can't do this on your own, so here's a rule, right. to, you know. Exactly. Um, so <clears throat> how do we know what we should and shouldn't do? Uh, like, is there a list somewhere at all? And if there is, is that fair? Or if there, is there if there isn't, is that fair?
2: So sexual purity is a big deal in the New Testament. Right. Yeah. So, you know, we talked last week, I think it was, about when they're having the argument about whether or not the new Christians need to get circumcised. Yeah. In, yeah, yeah. And they, <laughs> they summarize all of the Old Testament law down to a few simple things. Well, one of the things they said was, you know, abstaining from sexual morality. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's a common theme that you see coming up over and over in the New Testament. And it's not because— they were treating that sin differently than mm-hmm. other sins. It's because they were being very pragmatic to the challenge of their day. Right. That in these temple pagan practices, like, there were temple prostitutes. Yeah, yeah This is yeah, one of the yeah. things Paul's writing about to the church at Corinth. It's like, one of the things you need to vote on in your next church business meeting is to no longer have temple prostitutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, all right, that's that a, ad- that's agenda, a problem. agenda item number three. Yeah. So this was a very real practical challenge. Yeah. Th- these new Christians are like, okay, yeah, I guess that's not something that's I'm new. supposed maybe to do that's a, yeah. Maybe
1: that's a bad thing. So, I don't know.
2: you know, now <laughs> it begs the question, why?
0: Yeah.
2: Why? If this is such a common accepted practice, why do these Christians—they wouldn't have called themselves Christians—I know that—but these followers of Jesus, they why do they keep bringing this up? So if you read through Paul's letters, I love how Paul gives the why behind the what. Mm. You know, in one of his letters, he says, "No other sin affects you more than that sin." Mm. You know, he goes into Second Corinthians talking about how we are now the temple of God. Therefore we are to treat our bodies, you know, in reverence with holiness because we are now the the dwelling place of the Lord. Right. So Paul goes out of his way to tell us why that's a big deal. Yeah. So the New Testament certainly gives <clears throat> us practices and behaviors that should follow for someone should follow in someone's life if they've accepted Christ. Yeah. So it's not like there's no expectations that are placed upon us, but the, the reasoning shifts in the new Testament. So whereas in the old Testament, it's basically like, here are the rules, you know, shut up and do them. right? So there's, you know, right. you know, in the new Testament, it's no like, here's, here's, you know, what you should aim for, you know, abstain from sexual morality. Here's why. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so in the New Testament, we're given why. We're told why. And as you read it and you put it all together, what you begin to see, whether it's that or Mm -hmm. any of the other things that Paul writes about or Peter writes about or Luke writes about, you know, a big principle that you can draw from that. And this is the principle we try to get instilled in our boys at an early age, is that God's not trying to keep something from you, God's trying to keep something for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like when God gives you some, you know, uh, expectations or behaviors, it's because he knows mm-hmm. what's best. He created you. Yeah. And so th- it, the the heart behind it is a little bit more easy to notice in the New mm-hmm. Testament than it is in the Old Testament.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I I I I can't remember who said this, but it was like, here's the rules, and it's to keep you out of the road so you don't get hit by a car. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. guardrails down. Well, yeah. even like we talked about earlier, where Jesus is saying, like, you know, lust in your heart. Yeah. You know. So there, there's all these things in the New Testament that are clearly, you know, said, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and we should submit ourselves right. to that. Right. I think the part of the message that I was, you know, really focusing on yesterday is all the stuff people add to it. Right. Mm. Yeah. No, but if it's in the New Testament, you got to pay attention to right. it.
0: Right. Right. Yeah, and you know it's kind of funny because I know in Galatians five, like Paul lists the fruit of the spirits, and before that he he talks about I call it the vegetables of the flesh. You know, just opposite the fruit of the spirit. There you go. And uh, and because people are obviously asking him for a list, and what he says is like the stuff that's not good. It's obvious. Like the Holy Spirit lives in you. It's obvious what you shouldn't do. And he lists things, you know, like being deceitful, you know, eat witchcraft, I think is one, you know, sexual immorality, all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, there's guidance there. But like what it seems to me that Paul is saying is like aim for the good things. And, you know, because the Holy Spirit who lives in you, you know, the stuff you shouldn't do.
2: The the, prog- the, the process and the progress of spiritual growth is that your desires begin to align more with the right. things of the Lord. Yeah. That you're actually, there's not a desire those things, but there is a continual battle against the flesh and the old sin nature to take you back to those desires. Mm, But you know, that that's the, the process of spiritual growth is that if you're growing with the Lord you know, your desires are going to begin to match the Lord's desires. Yeah, not I mean. all the time, not 24-7. Sure. We yeah. still got to battle the flesh, Right. but that's the movement. And at yeah. a heart level, I begin to the d- desire the things of the Lord.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. to use Matt's guardrail analogy, it's not how close to the edge of the cliff can I get before I go over. It's how far away from the cliff of sin can I get and closer to God. Right. Yeah. So one of the uh, things you said yesterday in your message is that we shouldn't let folks who have prideful arrogance, who seem to be humble, talk down to us about our faith. So let me ask you this. How do we know when we should listen to others? Like we've said that we need folks in our lives that we trust that can speak truth into our lives. So how do we know when we should listen to someone and when we shouldn't?
2: Well, hopefully the person that's talking to you has your best interest in mind. Hmm. And, and, you know, I, boy, I'm going to assume a lot here. You know, if you didn't grow up in a home with parents who affirmed you or built confidence in you, this may not be as easy to pick up on. Hmm. And that's really unfortunate because I think that sometimes there are those who seem humble who actually are arrogant and they prey on individuals like that. Hmm. And and they present themselves as super godly when in reality they're not, but maybe because there's a lack of confidence or discernment in this individual and they're excited about the newfound fate, they kind of place themselves under the leadership of that individual. Hmm. And, and that leads to a very unfortunate consequence, okay? Yeah. So if if you need some folks to help you work on those things, that's the beauty of a life group, that's the beauty of Christian community, like it does help <laughs> us grow in, in these areas. But on the whole, if, if someone is trying to speak into your life, hopefully you can have the ability to see, do they really care about me? Are they speaking down to me, or yeah. are they telling me what's best for me? <laughs> are they attacking me personally, or are they pointing out some behaviors that I need to modify? Is, is their tone one that's hypercritical or is their tone one that's loving? You know, mm-hmm. these are the things I listen for, right? Yeah. So, you know, I've had some guys who care about me, like, look at me and say, like, hey, man, you need to get your act together. Yeah. And, like, I knew they loved me. And I've had some other people who were speaking incredibly soft and kind, but it was super fake. Right. <laughs> and they, right. Were, they were trying to seem spiritual, but they weren't, you know? Right. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, you have to be able to learn, like, is this person telling me what's best— What's really going to help me? Mm. Um, The easiest way to develop that discernment is to learn what God's Word says. Mm. Like, if you will learn what God's Word says, the Holy Spirit that wrote the Bible through these individuals that is in you will throw up a red flag when somebody says something that does not match up with God's Word. Mm. You know, it's like with our kids. You know, I want my boys to follow the authority in their lives, unless the authority in their lives is telling them to do something that's going to hurt them, put right. them in an unsafe situation, or do something counter to God's word. Hmm. Well, then it's incumbent upon me, to, as the parent, to explain what that is,
0: right? Right. Because
2: they don't know, right? Yeah. So you, you have to teach them. Well, the same way with us, we got to learn what God's word says, so that if somebody's doing that, we should be able to tell. But, you know, I have found a lot of times over the years when, when people were doing that to me, it hasn't happened a lot, but sometimes as a pastor, like you just get into these conversations, sometimes what can seem like someone talking down to you, maybe even attacking you is actually someone expressing some hurt, hmm.
1: mm-hmm.
2: There's something going on in their life. Maybe it's in another area of their life. Maybe it's with a relationship. Maybe it's with a struggle that nobody else knows about, and you are the unfortunate recipient of that pain. yeah. Well, one of the ways you can love that person in that moment is to recognize that and respond with grace, respond with care, mm-hmm. respond with love. You know, so just because somebody might be out of line with how they are interacting with you, it doesn't mean you have to be out of line with how you respond. Yeah. 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 You know, I, I think that you have the option to recognize, wait a second here, like what's going on? and maybe, you know, love that person. So, you know, this is a principle that we need to draw from this passage, but it's not a license to then be a jerk if someone's doing that to you. You know, I said it in my message, cut each other some slack. You know, cut each other some slack. If you sense someone's doing that, cut them a little bit of slack. Don't just be, you know, quick to respond. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's an important principle. I think, you know, hurt people hurt people. Yeah. Yeah. And so the awareness to be able to go like, all right, there's something else that's happening here, you know, to be able something to discern deeper. that, that's yeah. that's important. Yeah, yeah. They're really
2: projecting good. onto me something, right. something else. Like yeah. a past event
1: yeah. or something. Yeah, you know,
2: yeah. they're projecting onto me something else, something they've seen before. Like, they don't really know who I am. They don't know my intentions. They don't right. even know anything about me and the situation. Okay, so... Something must have happened in their past, right? That now mm-hmm. I am having to, yeah, that yeah. happens, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Well, uh, can you help us understand the difference between, um, like rebellious sin practices versus rebellious religion practices? Yeah,
2: like, so like the religious practices I'm saying can be sinful, uh-huh. just like the rebellious practices can okay. be sinful, okay? So that's the Pharisees, okay. So three years of Jesus' <laughs> ministry, these guys have it all together on the surface. Yeah, yeah. They've got the Old Testament memorized. They're washing their the, hands left and right. Yeah, They're doing yeah, all the, white, of the rituals. Tombs. And yeah. Jesus says, You're sons of Satan. <laughs> yeah. you know, Jesus calls them snakes. <laughs> you know, it's just amazing to me. Like yeah, yeah. Jesus just doesn't even He just doesn't yeah. even mince His words, wow. goes yeah. after them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we cannot understand just how. You talk about rebellious, how rebellious that would have seemed to yeah. everybody. Right. I mean, Jesus would have it's been like the Days greatest rebel they've ever observed. <laughs> he is going up against these guys. Sons
1: of anarchy. And just handling them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: Why do you think they killed him? <laughs> right. Right, yeah. So, you know, don't take for granted when you read through the four Gospels. I mean, what, what Jesus is doing is the greatest attack on an established paradigm in all of mankind. Mm. And he just doesn't care. <laughs> yeah. And the reason why he doesn't care is because he knows who they really are. Mm. He knows what's going on in their hearts. Yeah, and him. he knows what they are doing to people.
1: Mm.
2: And Jesus is there to be someone who can free these individuals who are living in oppression one of the common themes of our faith, Old Testament and New Testament, is freeing people from oppression, okay? So Jesus is doing this, and he's doing this with the guys that have all the authority, all the power. Mm. They're all getting kickbacks from the Roman Empire, okay? Yeah. And Jesus is just taking the—he's going to burn the whole ship down. Like, he, <laughs> he doesn't—I mean, and so—but but we, from the perspective of the person who would have just been a normal Hebrew citizen— mm-hmm. They thought that these Pharisees and Sadducees were the ones that God loved, that Mm -hmm. they're the ones that God had blessed, they were the ones that had a relationship with God, and and they viewed themselves as unworthy of any of that. Hmm. So so that is what I'm talking about when I talk about there are religious sins that are just as bad as rebellious sins. Mm -hmm. So fast forward now into the 21st century, there are people who are just like those Pharisees. They've got everything right on the exterior, and they are rotting inside in the interior. So, how do you know? Yeah, Yeah. how do you know who's who, right? Yeah,
0: people listening to us right now might say, "Wait a second, these pastors." Hey, hey, hey.
2: that is the question, right? It's not always one that we can know. You know, sometimes you have sheep that are actually wolves in disguise. Mm. Sometimes you have shepherds that are actually wolves in disguise, Mm. you know, this is, this is not easy discernment. This is not a light topic. This is not something that we approach, you know, with anything other than seriousness, you know, because people are at stake here. So I'm 22 years in, you know, being a pastor and, uh, you know, I feel like every day I'm still trying to figure out, you Mm -hmm. know, what that means. The moment I think I've got it figured all out, you know, somebody else needs to be the pastor here, you know? So we try to stay humble. We try to learn. (laughs) Yeah. But I've noticed a few things over the years. How do you discern that? Yeah. Someone that has it all together on the outside, but on the inside. So here's one observation. How do people act when they're under pressure or when things don't go right or go well or they don't get their way? It's kind of like a tube of toothpaste. When you squeeze it, what comes out? The toothpaste. Right. So when life applies a little bit of pressure or discomfort, what comes out. What I have noticed about hyper-religious people, who I would say are riding on the inside, is that they do not do well when they don't get their way.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: When they don't get what they want, they drop the gloves. And all of that nice facade that you thought was there, you see what's really there. right? And, 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 and they don't even try to hide it. Mm-hmm. And they come after you. So it's just a little bit of pressure. It's like they didn't get what they wanted and this is the reaction. That reaction is a lot worse than what, what should warrant, you know, what right, should right, be warranted right. here, okay? right. So they don't get what they want. Another one is is they actually have that same line of thought as it pertains to the relationship with God. They see their relationship with God as, I'll do my part, now God, you do your part. So I've kept all these rules, I've done all of these things, if something doesn't go well in their life, it might be with one of their children, it might be with their health, it might be with their finances, it might be... With... But the moment something doesn't line up the way they thought it would, now they apply that same level of, you know, angst yeah. towards God. Right. Mm-hmm. So they see their relationship with God as a little bit more, you know, you scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. It's sure. more of a transactional mm-hmm. yeah. relationship. Quid pro quo kind yeah. of yeah. Right. Yeah. So, you know, that's what I would say, you know, if, if you have people in your life and, and things don't go their way, or they don't get their way, or they don't get what they want, or their preferences aren't being put into place, and they just keep walking with Jesus and keep loving people and keep praying for their enemies, and they don't make it about themselves, that's a spiritual person. That's not a religious person. But the person who has the exact opposite reaction to that, every time something doesn't go their way, that's a religious person. That's someone who has all of the exterior figured out but has a very immature heart on the interior that's actually driving their walk with the Lord. Yeah. And, you know, the, the the teaching of the New Testament is our life is lived from the inside out. It's about what's going on in here, right. not about yeah. what we let everybody else know going out here. Yeah. So that's not like, hey, take that to the bank. That's just right. observations. <laughs> yeah. 22 years in, some things I've noticed when it comes to discerning who's who when it comes to these things.
0: Yeah, you know, you touched on this a second ago, and I, I, I want to explore it for just a moment you know, our responsibility, you know, and not just us as pastors, but also, you know, church leaders, those that are life group leaders, all that kind of stuff. But I want to talk about, you know, you guys in particular. So whenever I get the opportunity to preach, I'll have someone ask me, they'll say, are you nervous? And I say, yeah, but not for the reason that you think. I'm not nervous to get up in front of people. I want to make sure that I'm appropriately, you know, uh, and obediently delivering God's word. And you guys, Adam preaching, Matt leading worship, you guys are on the stage more often than anyone else up there in front of our church doing that. Mm -hmm. Talk to me just a little bit about like that process and how serious, you know, you guys take that.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's a big deal. Yeah, Yeah. And scripture is very clear. Like we're held held to a higher standard. Mm -hmm. Not everybody should want to do this. basically what it says. And, um, what what I have to be really clear about for myself and the prayer that I pray and, you know, what that looks like is everything that happens up there when I'm up there should point people to Jesus,
0: mm-hmm.
2: not to me. Yeah. Like if I finish a sermon and people go, that was a great sermon, I appreciate the compliment. I'd much rather them say, what a great Savior. Yeah. Like I'd much rather them leave the sermon more in love with Jesus than having thought they just heard a good sermon. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I've, I've, that, that's the goal. Now, if I get up there in my own strength and my own power, like I don't even have a shot. Yeah. Right. So I've got to be clear that it's the Lord working through me and that I need the Holy Spirit. And, right. you know, every time I get up to preach... I approach it like I've never done it before. Mm. Because if I act like I've done this, I know what I'm doing, yeah. that's not going to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. I'm now operating in my own giftedness and in my own strength, and I, I, I'm i in desperate need of the If the Holy Spirit's not in this, then we're just going to go through the motions. Right. And no yeah. one's going to meet Jesus. Right. No one's going to grow closer to Jesus. They're just going to hear a speech. Right. Well, why waste everybody's time? The point is to have a fresh encounter with the Lord. Yeah. And I'm sure you feel the same way yeah. when it comes to songs. Yeah. Yeah. Every time you sing a song that you've sung before, you're singing that song for the first time. Yeah,
1: yeah different experience. And I mean, like I, every week I sit down like, hey, what's God talking to you about? Uh, and your message, and I'm trying to line up the, the things that we're singing about with that. Right. Uh, because I want to be cooperating with the Holy Spirit and what he's saying to our people. Right. Um, you know, I just don't get up there and play songs because they sound good. Uh, some of yeah. them, it's like, that's <laughs> right. a fun song to do. I'm glad yeah. that we're doing it that week. You but, don't throw
0: a dart at a board with a list yeah, of like, songs. Here and here we go. Right, yeah. right, right, right. This
1: one this week, yeah, it's usually like, hey, here's a series we're in, and these are the songs that kind of go with that theme. Uh, and this is what Adam's been talking about. Right. So like, I'm pulling from that and, and using, you know, scripture from that. Yeah. And
0: well, and not just selecting the songs, but like, I know you and the, the team, the band, yeah. all I mean, you guys bathe every service in prayer mm-hmm. uh, to point, fo- Wednesday point folks to we, Jesus. yeah, yeah Wednesday nights,
1: right. we start every practice with prayer. And yeah. then Sunday mornings before we get out there, you yeah. know, we're praying over uh, Adam as he's delivering word, uh, you guys as you're leading uh, tech and stuff sure. like that. Because I mean, uh, let's be honest, like, we can't do what we're doing if people don't know the lyrics right, that we're singing, right, right, you know? Right.
2: And I think the other thing that I've really had to fight over the years is feeling like I'm a hypocrite. Hmm. So hmm. I'm about to get up here and preach something, and I know how flawed I am when it comes to what I'm about to talk about. Right. So I feel like a hypocrite. Like, I can't get up there and talk about this. Now, there are some sins that the New Testament specifically says, if you do these sins— You can't lead people anymore, right? okay? So if I ever do any of those sins, I don't get to get up there anymore. I have disqualified myself. Scripture is super clear on that. So I'm not talking about that list. I'm just talking about, you know, I'm going to get up here and talk about, you know, making allowances for each other's grievances. Mm -hmm. And this week, Morgan and I got in an argument because I was an idiot, (laughs) you know? (laughs) I I totally didn't put that verse into practice, which is most weeks of my life, Chad. (laughs) And it's always because I'm the idiot. Let's make sure we're very clear about that, okay? (laughs) So I feel like a hypocrite. So one of the things the Lord has helped me see over the years is one, well, that's still true, whether you did it or not. (laughs) Right. So I need you to get up there and communicate the truth of my word. I I don't run its validity through your effectiveness. Right. It's true. You're the person I've chosen to communicate this and Mm -hmm. I get up there and communicate it through the power of the Holy Spirit. But then the second thing is, well, tell everybody how you can't do it. Mm -hmm. So if that's true, be honest Mm -hmm. about that. Mm tell everybody about your failures. Right. So, you know, that's how you're not a hypocrite is like, get up there and tell people what's true and then tell them how terrible you are at doing mm-hmm. it when right. you try to do this in your own strength. Right. Yeah. And I kind of feel like I've followed that philosophy yeah. <laughs> in my preaching. And I got lots of examples, sure. you know, and yeah. it's not fun to tell people, I'm doing a parenting message. Let me tell you where I dropped the ball this week in my parenting. Right. It's not fun to come in here and talk about things and tell y'all, you know, something yeah. else I did that, that wasn't. But but that's what the Lord has led me to do. It's like tell people what my word says through the power of the Holy Spirit, and then tell them how terrible you are at doing it when you try to do it in your own strength.
0: Mm. Mm. And if
2: I keep doing that, that's the only way I know how to fight that like hypocrisy. Sure. If I get up there and act like I'm pulling all this stuff off and doing it all great, I'm a fraud,
0: right? And it's <laughs> right. Pretty yeah. soon
2: everybody's gonna know. Yeah. So yeah. tell tell people about when when you when you mess up, and yeah. you don't get it right, and right. that's okay. That's part of what we we're talking about yesterday: to have an authentic faith. Right. Mm-hmm. Don't worry so much about who you're impressing. Yeah. Get the real things out. Let's talk about the real things, because yeah. as we do that, yeah. we'll grow closer together, and we'll yeah. grow closer to the Lord. Yeah, yeah. that's the that whole. Man. You know,
0: his his strength is made perfect in our weakness, and mm-hmm. and again, why community is so important because we help point each other to Jesus. So you know, talking about that, this is really related. You said that we should always look to Jesus and His strength to fight our old self. My question for you is what does that look like practically in our lives?
2: It's it is putting the power of the Holy Spirit into practice in your life. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I look to Jesus for his strength. Jesus said, I'm giving you the Holy Spirit. Okay? Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit is my helper. The Holy Spirit is what dwells within me. And, and we talked about this back in our series. It's the most underdeveloped part of most of our walk with the Lord. Sure. And it's actually where we get our strength. Right. It's why a lot of Christians never walk in victory, because they are not accessing the power that is available to them through the Holy Spirit. So, you know, if you want resources on that, we did a whole sermon series on that. Yeah. If you want other resources, you can email me or, you know, and... Um, One of you guys, like we'll we'll send you some books or some different, you know, Mm -hmm. learn, grow, you know, the Holy Spirit is, is your power source. And so if you want to receive his strength to help you fight off the old self, like it's there, you've just got to take advantage of it. You've got to put it into practice. Right.
1: Uh, So we talked a lot about um, people influencing us in wrong religious ways, but at the end of the day, how do we live at peace with those people um, that have different convictions than we do um, and not be a, the bad guys? Yeah. Like just telling somebody. How do
0: we not be the people Paul's right? Yeah. Towards? How do we? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 The reverse
2: of that. Yeah. A lot of what Paul is telling these new Christians, hey, don't do that. Don't let them tell you what to do. You know, these false teachers were tying that to their faith, whether or not they were actually Mm -hmm. regenerated, born again, followers of Jesus. Okay. So if you ever run into somebody that's doing that, you know, that's kind of obvious, Mm -hmm. you know, so that's not most of what we have to deal with today. Most of what we have to deal with today is the part where I talked about how we reach different particular conclusions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So someone in your circle of friends, sphere of influence, family, mm. whatever, yeah. they've reached a different conclusion than you have. Right. Right. Yeah. And you don't want to be that guy. Yeah. Telling them that their conclusion is wrong. Right. Okay. Well, if it's if it's if they're being completely anti-biblical, mm-hmm. that's different. Right. So if somebody is clearly out of line with Scripture and you love them and you care about them, and you have a relationship with them, mm-hmm. you might want to at least have a conversation with them. Sure yeah, you know. yeah. But if it's just something that they've reached a different conclusion, you just need to leave it alone. Just need, you know, That's just giving them, the, just being respectful to them yeah. as an individual. That's good. You know, that I don't get to tell somebody else how to live their life. I don't get to tell somebody else how to raise their kids. I don't get yeah. to tell somebody else how to do marriage. I don't get to tell somebody else all the, when like, their kid's bedtime yeah. should be. How yeah, you should feel. What kind of There's house, some
0: people that can't even understand yeah. what you're saying right now. What kind yeah. of house
2: they should live in? What kind yeah. of car they should drive? What kind of vacations right. they should go on? All the things. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, and if you're listening, like, you don't get to do that either. Right. <laughs> <Is> that right? <laughs> so, you know. It's not just me and Chad. We don't get to do that have that in us yeah. right We think because I'm doing this, they should also do that. Mm. or we think, well, you know at my last church my life group leader was like this, therefore now my life greeter, life group leader here should be like that right. Right. right We do that. that's just human nature. So I think it's just a really good way to to counter that. If they're not doing anything that's counter to God's word and mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit has led them to a different conclusion than yours and you're cool with that, cool. Yeah. If it's a conclusion that's different than yours and it's going to create a little bit of a rub in the relationship, don't end the relationship, but you may not want to hang out with them as much. Sure. Right. You know, yeah. you might just want to, you know, expand your, expand your friendship <laughs> circles a <laughs> yeah. little bit. Right. Okay. Right. And, and my circle just got and, a little bigger. And I think that it's actually super healthy to have friendships and relationships with yeah. folks like we're talking about. If everybody in your circle thinks like you, has the same convictions, uh, conclusions—I yeah. like to use the word conclusion—has reached the same conclusion as you, yeah. looks at everything the same way, you're not really making friends. You're just surrounding yourself with people who are Like-minded. just like you. Yeah. You're not going to grow a lot. Well, yeah, it's, that's kind it's, of dangerous, it's too. It's good to yeah. have people who have differing perspectives, right? Ha- who say things like, yeah, but have you ever considered—and right. yeah, they say think. something, and you think about it a little differently. Right. It, it, yeah. it helps you— become a little bit more compassionate, a little bit more understanding. So, you know, I, I would encourage, you know, everybody to to have a, a pretty broad bandwidth yeah. when it comes to these things, that you can be friends and um, you can have close Christian friends who don't see things the same way you do politically, yeah. socially, economically, you know, all the L-Y words. They yeah. could watch CNN and you could watch Fox News. You could actually be super close brothers and sisters in Christ, and none of those other things be on the same page.
1: Yeah,
2: And and we're going to see at the end of Colossians a very practical example mm-hmm. of how Paul communicates this. Yeah. It's it's going to be one of the last sermons in the series. So, um, yeah, you can have a variety. I mean, I I have some Christian friends that, that look at some theological things differently than me. They mm-hmm. look at some of the functions of the Holy Spirit different than me. Right. They look at some of the ways the church should function different than yeah. me. And and that's fine, right? You know that that doesn't mean that we can't have a friendship or a right. relationship. It's just you, just a difference. You yeah. can
1: disagree with somebody and still respect
2: and love that person. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and and the Holy Spirit does lead people to different conclusions. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, that's just, really interesting. Yeah. And, and
0: again, because like I think that I'm right most of the time. And I, I, <laughs> Me too, I Chad. Am yeah, yeah. So anyway. well, a lot
2: of times people with really strong conclusions get on church committees and then make policies for everybody else to follow those conclusions. So now we're going to go back to your question, how did the church get this reputation? Well, that's how the church got the reputation. It is the Pharisees adding more laws. So it was a preference of a few, and now let's make it the norm for the many. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I've told this story before, but I grew up in a great church. Great church. Great church. Put kids ministry as a high priority, put student ministry as a high priority, and I've benefited from that. Mm -hmm. Sure. But that doesn't mean that everybody at the church thought that way. It doesn't right. mean that everybody yeah. at the church saw things that way. So I finally get one of my buddies to come to church with me who is lost as lost can be. I promise you, it was the first time he ever stepped foot in a church. Mm-hmm. And it was on a Sunday night, which is a little bit more laid back, mm-hmm. you sure. know, kind of growing up, going to Sunday night <laughs> church, right? right? Yeah, yeah. We hadn't been in the building 30 seconds. And a guy comes up to him and looks at my friend and says, don't you know, you're not supposed to wear a hat in the Lord's house? Ooh. My that Kid has never been to church again. Mm-hmm. That's my only shot. He's now married. He's got two kids of his own. We're friends on Facebook. I mean, if I called him today, he'd, he'd return my call. But he he's he's nowhere near God. It's the first impression he got yeah. 30 seconds in. Now, I'd been working on getting him to church for four years, and oh. that's, what, that's what he was greeted with. Hmm. That, as I reflect upon my life, that was the first spark of igniting a flame hmm. for me to go into ministry because I was just like, what on earth? Yeah. Like that has nothing to do with the things of God, and there's nothing to do with Jesus, and 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 this guy yeah. who did that, he honestly thought he was doing the right thing, mm-hmm. yeah. telling someone not to wear a hat in God's to hat. Honor yeah. God, yeah. Ooh. And I didn't have the heart to tell him that God didn't live and live here, you know. Right. like <laughs> Have you read Second Corinthians? Like the Holy Spirit joint, but you know, I had to be respectful to authority and all that kind of stuff. So, but but like th- that's my point yeah. is these things really matter. Yeah. Like if if you. You know, if somebody walked into our church on a Sunday and they weren't dressed the way that we think they're supposed to be dressed, they didn't look the way that we think they're—whatever on earth those statements even mean. Yeah. Right. I mean, who determines how we're supposed to dress? Right. Who determines what we're supposed to look like? Mm-hmm. Somebody, and then it permeates into a culture. Well, if yeah. somebody counter to that enters into our community of faith, how do we respond? Mm. How do we react You know, are we the proverbial "you can't wear a hat in God's house, folks"? Are we the "oh, we're just so we're so glad you're here"? Mm. Come as you are. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we love you just the way you are. You don't have to take on a new form or shape or personality Mm. to be accepted here. Right. So these things really matter. So if you've got a culture that's shaped more by that religiosity, the people who come into that who have nothing to do with that are going to be repelled by that very, very quickly. Mm -hmm. If you can rid your church as much as possible of that, you've created the environment that sounds a lot more like the New Testament, where people are coming in and they're being loved and accepted just the way they are. So that's why these things matter. Like, there really are implications to these things when it comes to how we reach lost people and introduce them to Jesus and introduce them to a community of faith.
0: Yeah, Yeah. that's really good. good. Well, I think that's a good place for us to kind of wrap up the conversation. Mm -hmm. Hey, man, there's been a lot of really good stuff today. I've really enjoyed this, and uh, we're going to be picking up this Sunday in chapter 3, verse 2. Is that correct? Yeah. And kind of continuing on uh, in our series implications, 9.30 to 11 a.m. on campus. If you are traveling for some reason, make sure you tune in online. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us today. On behalf of Adam Bishop, Matt Collins, Sound Guy, Harley, and myself, we hope you have a wonderful day, and we will see you next time.